0: Last night, Gil gave us this beautiful invitation to be here, and he spoke about the difference between the world of about and the world of here, and invited us to really go deeply into this world of here, and while he was talking, maybe it's a little loud. While he was talking, I was thinking to myself, ah, but he's not telling them there's a risk. There's a huge risk to being here. And I wanted to talk a little bit about this risk to kind of put things in perspective a little bit. Not that you don't already know deeply in your heart exactly what I'm talking about, but I just want to name a few things about what happens when we come into the world of here. It was Ram Dass who in the 80s when people were really getting involved with meditation very uh, wholeheartedly and uh, Ram Das said there ought to be a warning label put on meditation retreats, right? He said, it, it, should, it should say this, it should say, meditation may be dangerous to your mental health. And that's what we find, right? Because we're really challenging what we always thought was true or who we took ourselves to be in a familiar way. We challenge all of this. And I'm very aware that when I particularly when I teach introductory classes to people who really want to get on board and want to start meditating, and I'm inviting them to be present, and I know in my heart what I'm really asking of them. And the reason that I feel it's such a risk is because I know that I'm asking people to give up everything, That to really come into the world of here, you have to leave everything behind. Everything that you've ever known, everything that is familiar to you, all of your past, all of your future. It is a radical letting go to fully come into the world of here and to leave that world of about because the world of about is the past. It's all about the past. It's all about what we already know and what we've already learned. And to really be here. You can't carry any of that. You can't carry anything into this present moment. And so what we're being asked is something very radical. It's really an act of renunciation. This coming into here is, means we have to renounce everything. But much of the path, much of our practice is actually understanding what that means because my sense is that you've heard this before. You know, you've heard that you have to let go of everything. And that you can't carry anything with you. But what does it really mean? And this is, really, this is so much of what we put into perspective for ourselves uh, as we uh, walk the path to find out what is this radical renunciation. Why is this called the path of renunciation? Which is very, very radical. But the good news is that we only have to do that for an instant. We only have to let go of everything just for an instant. Just for now, in this moment. It doesn't matter whether you were carrying a whole load of baggage in the last moment or the last months or the last years. It doesn't matter if you even do it in the next moment. All you really have to be concerned about is now. And are you carrying the past, carrying all that you've known and all that you depend on, are you carrying that into this instant? So that's really the good news and that's what makes this, that's why this practice is actually possible for us. It's possible for anyone because we're just saying, Just now. This is your opportunity. And it's not the now of this month's retreat. You know, you say, oh yeah, well, okay, I have the month. No. Now. What really mean now? Like just this instant. And And it really doesn't matter whether you do let go of everything or not because you have another opportunity in the very next instant. Isn't that the universe is so benevolent there's such amazing kindness that in every instant we get another opportunity every instant of our waking life even if it's just a few minutes when, you know, bef- when we're on our deathbed and we have that revelation even then, just then, we let go of everything we don't take anything with us then we're free then we're free that's what free means free means of free means we're free of the burden we're free of the baggage free of all that it's the past you know the the momentum of the past that's when we when we sit down and we look into our mind what do we see that's what we see we see the past all the conditions the memories, the images, what we've learned, what we know. It's what, it's what runs through the mind, and then it, it, it formulates a sense of the future, it makes it seem like there really is a future, just as if there's really a past. But in this instant, we can just see it and say, not now, let it go. And the more we do that, the more we discover, the more is revealed to us. So we really also are letting go of ultimately everything that we take comfort in and in many ways this retreat is the, kind of the beginning of that renunciation we let go of quite a lot when we come here into the retreat situation. We let go of all of our usual uh, habitual stimulations, things that we get involved with and seek pleasure in. We let go of so many things when we come here. But What I want to ask though is a very important question when we consider this coming into the world of here. I think we really need to ask the question, this was also something I thought of when Gil was speaking last night, to really ask the question, do I want to be here? Do I want to be here? And I've had a few conversations with yogis um, recently about that very question. Because unless there is a willingness, unless there's actually an interest to explore the world of here, we won't get here. We won't. Because we will be interested in the world of the the comfort and the dependency and all the different worldly conditions that bring us pleasure, the seeking and all the different things we get involved with, we won't really be interested in what it means to fully be here. The patterns of our mind are so strong that they will just cover over a true sense of presence that true connection with this here and now reality. And so we, we, we deal with these, we look at these habits of mind. Last night Gil was speaking about the, the hindrances. These are the five strong habits of mind, particularly that the Buddha speaks about. And he translated the Pali word uh, Nivarana as covered over. It covers over these hindrances, these strong patterns of mind cover over that clear, fresh connection with what is in this moment. We spoke quite a lot about that last night. So we work with these five patterns, but there has to be this willingness, there has to be an interest, this, yes, I want to do this. And, of course, we find so many people who are not interested at all, not interested to look at their own mind, their own heart. Because, you know, because this is radical. I mean, what we're really asking here is quite radical. So not that I think they should or that people, you know, ought to get on this bandwagon. I have complete compassion for what it really takes to walk this path, and if somebody's not interested in doing that, it's, i completely understand that. And the Buddha is this wonderful way. In reading uh, reading the texts, a few times I would run across this—the way the Buddha offers the invitation. The Buddha, you know, says that he here's the map. You know, I have the map. The Four Noble Truths are our map. I have the map here and, and I invite you to follow this path. I invite you to, uh, to follow this map but only if you would like, if you would like, you know, you don't have to, it's not my responsibility, you know, but here it is. It's a very beautiful, gentle, compassionate offering, if you like, if you don't, that's fine. So it's really like that. This invitation, you know, it's each one of us have to really ask this question about our own willingness. And maybe it's not just sort of a generic question. Yeah, I'm interested in you're here. But maybe it's more profound than that. Maybe it's something that you need to continue to ask yourselves. When you find yourself caught up a lot in the past and stories and being sleepy or spaced out or you know, not really participating so fully, maybe ask that question. Do I? Do I really want to be here? There was a yogi one time when I was teaching a three-month course over at the Insight Meditation Society. And he came in and he was talking about how he was daydreaming about all the important things that he wanted to do. And then he just kind of said, I probably should come back to my breath. You know, sort of like that, you know. Or, you know, I'm really interested in all these things, but, you know, I guess I'm supposed to really be with my breath, you know, very nonchalant. And then I just said to him, well, do you want to? Do you want to come back? Do you want to be here? And at the time, it was quite a, it was kind of challenging to ask him that. But he really took it in and it was uh, important for him to reflect on that rather than spending his time there just sort of daydreaming about all the important things he wanted to do, the, the worldly conditions. If we say yes, then we are really being asked to leave our comfort zone. To leave our comfort zone. And what that means is being willing to open to the discomfort as Gil was speaking about, really coming more into the direct experience of these difficult states, these difficult states of mind. And of course this is reality, you know, our practice is about confronting reality, not living in the world of imagination, not living in the world of about and our fantasies and all of that, but really confronting reality So when we talk about reality we're really talking about the first noble truth. The first noble truth of the Buddha that there is suffering in this life. There is suffering in what we are born, we get sick, we age, we die. When we are born we come into a mind and a body and Everything happens from there, just having this mind and this body and all the karmic formations, all the momentum of our past karma moving through time, there is suffering. And of course, you know, we, the the habitual strategy is to find every way we can possibly avoid that, right? And that's a lot of what people do in their, in their worldly lives. But when we come here, it's about reality. What does it mean? What does it mean? I mean, this is a big question in Buddhist uh, teaching, is this question about what is reality? You know, what is reality? Well, we, we really are here to find out. And the only way we can find out is here. Reality isn't anywhere else. <laughs> Everything else is, a, is, a, uh, 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 is the mind, is a, the imagination, conceptual mind. So here at the retreat, we, we create a very comfortable place for you, as, as comfortable as we possibly can. And everything that we do here, at least our intention, is in service of your awakening everything that we do here has the intention to support you to let go so we create this very safe as much as we can very safe and supportive very beautiful environment for you to feel like you can let go, to feel like you can relax, relax the usual tensions holding, stresses uh, the way we have to guard ourselves, defend ourselves out in the world, creating this space where, where there's, a, there's kind of a psychic uh, understanding that, okay, yeah, I can relax now. Th- things are safe, the safest we can make them, comfortable, I can let go. We call this a sacred space. When something, when we create, when we go into situations where the environment, the space is, is set up to support your realization, your revelation, it's sacred. And that space creates a synergy. There's a synergistic kind of energy there to support you. And you're, you're part of this. You're, you're creating it. Not only do you come into it, you create it. It's a kind of dynamism that gets created here together, all in the support of this awakening. So, so there's a field here, an energetic field of awakening that we're actually in and manifesting together. We have all these different conditions that contribute to that. We have this amazing nature, this, particularly this time of year, so lush and so fertile and and just gorgeous here right now. The water and the green and the trees and the moss and the coolness. It's just such a, a lovely place to be right now. So much beauty. The animals and the wind and the rain and the sun, the moon, the stars, the sky. All of that. That that nature reflects something back to us. It, it speaks to us in a very a kind of quiet way, a very profound way. We have these buildings. The buildings were built intentionally for this purpose. One of the few places in the world, not well, particularly in the Western world, where there is a building created for this kind of practice. So the, the buildings are, are, are built with this kind of intention and energy for, for awakening. The people, not only you, but the people who are supporting our retreat, the managers, the cooks, the, administ- the people you don't see down at the bottom, they're all busy keeping this going. It says, It's all in the spirit of dana, of generosity, of love, for awakening. All of this goes into that support so that we can let go. So that we can let go. So that we can relax and open up. So that we can take refuge. Take refuge, have a refuge, feel a refuge. Because I wonder if we really can let go unless there is some sense of refuge. Some inner sense that it's okay. There's something holding me here. There's something I can trust. I can let go into here. So we make you very comfortable so that you can leave it. So that you can leave your comfort. So that you can actually take a risk to open. To let go. And in a kind of a funny way, maybe you can even let yourself feel unsafe. Because it's safe enough here to do that. It's a very kind of counterintuitive thing. It's almost like you need a sense of real safety in order to let yourself feel how unsafe you feel. And in that allowing of the unsafety, then there are all these wonderful and profound resources that come together to hold you to let you even let go more, let go into it, discover what is happening there and relax even more and more and more to the point where there's the possibility for you to feel and know that which is utterly safe, that inner refuge our own, the refuge of the heart, or the refuge of our mind, our consciousness, mind with a capital M, refuge of the Dharma, refuge of the Buddha. We sink, we sink, we sink into that, so we find the true refuge We create this beautiful refuge that's all around and then we let go into that which is true, even more true. So we will be challenged on many, many levels. We'll be challenged. That's why we come here and I know you know that. You know, we come here for that. And yet we're still surprised, right? (laughs) Right? We still get surprised when we get into these places that are difficult or challenging. It's like, oh no, this shouldn't be happening, right? But we know it's supposed to be happening. Now, we're actually inviting it, but you know, it's hard for us to fully admit that that's what we're doing. <laughs> we somehow don't want to be that honest with ourselves. I don't know. But of course we know that's what we're doing. We're so conditioned, though. Our conditioning is really to move out through the five senses, our sights and sounds and tastes and smells and our touch on our body, and to move out to find pleasure, to feel the pleasure, to find pleasure outside of ourselves. As Gil was speaking about last night, taking refuge in the objects, our, uh, objects of our desire, right? And then so beautifully he talked about that turning, you know, turning back, turning back 180 degrees. Let go. Let go of that object of desire just for a while and see what happens when you turn back to here. And let this moment, the dynamism of this moment impact you just as it is in that instant. Just seeing in that instant what wants to open up. But yet when we do that, when we turn back and we really let go in that way, we can feel very alone. We can feel very alone with ourselves, you know we have all these objects generally or people or things or situations you know that kind of buoy us up somewhat, and then when we let all that go, we can feel very alone and somewhat isolated it 's like well, where where are all my where are all my things, my people you know? we 're very alone with just what 's here in our own experience we 're not really having. Physical contact, we're not having so much social interaction. Hugs around here are pretty rare, you know, although they are available, right? We're all available. <laughs> but we, we really take so much away. I mean, this morning Gil was even talking about taking away the singing in the shower, you know, or you know, playing music on instruments and reading, you know, a refuge of reading, taking it all away. So, so all this act of renunciation, the way we renounce so that we can, in this case, maybe go into our aloneness, feel that. What happens when I let go? And then I just feel this, oh, I don't know, I haven't been with myself like this before. It's not so easy. One time I decided to really take a leap, and I did a three-week solo, uh, solo retreat in New Zealand. I, was, I teach there, and so this time I stayed an extra uh, period of time to, in one of the cabins in the valley in this beautiful 850-acre semi-tropical rainforest, really beautiful place with this very kind of ascetic cabin, It's a little bit down in the valley, and I w- took three weeks to just be on my own and then one of the caretakers in the retreat center would just once a week just leave a, a bag of food on my, my porch and then leave so I never s- didn't see anybody. Woo, I bit off a lot. <laughs> I didn't actually know it was gonna be so tough. You know, taking away that level of contact. And I hadn't, hadn't been in a, a situation where I hadn't even seen people and it got, re- got really, really tough to be alone like that. And I could feel myself getting more kind of rigid and tight, just the, just this uh, inability to just, just be with my loneliness and my aloneness. And there was one bird, they, In New Zealand has these fantastic birds, and there was this one bird, and I can't remember the name of the bird right now, but this one bird that would, at different times of the day, would sing in the valley. And this particular song would be like a a whole orchestra. It had like every note in an orchestra. It would just sing, and all these different melodies. It's not like any bird we have around here. You know, would actually, you know, for uh, 10 seconds, just this beautiful melody of all these different chords. And then it would echo right through the valley. And I got to the point where I just waited for that sound. for that song it was like please just sing the song you know sing the song and then every now and then I would hear it and my whole body would relax it just like my heart could open and my body would relax just some contact with beauty with with a being it was almost like that being would just sing for me you know just give me some relief from myself you know from just having to be with myself so much. And I do go back once a year and I still listen for that bird. It's just, it's such a, you know, it's a kind of a refuge for me. But in that case, you know, something that really needed it was a support for me because there really wasn't anything else. So that bird became like my support for my heart so that I could continue, so that I could keep going. So sometimes we need that outer refuge to help us to continue, to help us keep going on this very difficult path that we're engaged with. So sometimes just renouncing those sensual pleasures and the different sim- stimulations that we're generally involved in, when in a situation like this, when we let go of all that, then what we can see is that we then go to our own mind for our stimulation and for our refuge in in some kind of pleasure. And we'll have all kinds of fantasies, you know, whether they're sexual fantasies or all these wonderful holidays that that you want to take. I've been on more holidays in my mind than I've actually taken in my real life. I've had some fabulous holidays, you know, on all these different tropical islands that I never really got to. <laughs> you know, what would it be like to be in those turquoise blue waters that I see in the photographs and, you know, just all kinds of wonderful fantasies or memories or plans so we can go to to our own mind, right, if there's nothing else. This is one of the things only um, human beings can do. Not any other animal or being can take refuge in their own fantasies and own, their own plans. But the, difficult, the difficulty that we find, and I think we all know this very well, is that it's not so reliable for pleasure. We get involved in some kind of fantasy or memory and uh, all of a sudden we're somewhere we don't really want to be. <laughs> in some destination that we wonder how we got there. And we can actually go from something that's really pleasurable to something that's really painful in a very short time. We have no control. So it doesn't really work. So we can't go there either. More renunciation. Right? More letting go. If we really want to find that place or that, that which really allows us to rest. That which is really gonna allow us to find the deepest peace. The Buddha says in the Sutta Nipata, he says, in every direction there are things you know and recognize. Leave them. Do not look to them for rest or relief. Do not let consciousness dwell on the products of existence, on things that come and go. Do not let consciousness dwell on products of existence, on things that come and go. Because everything in this world is unstable, always changing, unreliable, so every time we go to find some relief, it falls apart. But oftentimes then we think it's my fault that things are falling apart. I'm supposed to be able to keep everything together, right? It's my responsibility. We have the, the egoic mind takes can take up this belief that it's up to me to hold together the fabric of reality. And if I let go, things are going to fall apart and it's going to be my fault and things are going to be a mess. Confusion, delusion, it's not our responsibility because if we do reach to the things of this existence for any kind of stability, we're going to be disappointed. But this is the habit, this is the mind habit ego habit. The Buddha says, one of the other quotes that I've just loved when I first read this and reflected on it, he says, agitation comes about because we try to find a permanent refuge in things that are always changing. Agitation comes about because we're trying to find this permanent refuge in the wrong place. We're looking in the wrong place. So when we look to the five senses, which can be ex- exquisitely pleasurable, when we go to the mind, our thinking mind, the six, these six sense doors, which also can be exquisitely pleasurable, if we hold on, if we think we've found something if we think we've discovered something through the conceptual mind, through experience of some kind, we're going to be disappointed. We have to let go. can't take it with you. You can't take anything with you. Even the most exalted, expansive, blissful, radiant experience of consciousness, you can't take it with you. It's going to change. It always changes. It's not where our refuge is, our permanent refuge. So we need to have deep trust to let go. Deep trust to let go and turn this 180 degree turn to let go of this belief that I need to hold everything together. To let go of the idea that it's my fault if everything falls apart. And to deeply trust what happens if I let go and turn into the awareness itself, turn into the here-ness, this here-ness now, in this instant, what will happen? This deep trust that if I truly want a resting place, a deep place of restful abiding, then I need to let go. Noshal Kempo Rinpoche, this amazing Tibetan master who's now passed away, he has this wonderful line where he's this little phrase where he says, rest in natural great peace this exhausted mind. Beaten helpless by karma and neurotic thought, like the relentless fury of the pounding waves in the infinite ocean of samsara. Rest in natural great peace. Rest this exhausted mind. And It's such a compassionate, compassionate evocation. You know, just let it go. Rest this exhausted mind, beaten helpless by karma and neurotic thought. Rest. This is what we want. This is what we are longing for. And it's just habit, you know? It's just habit that we get pulled out. It's, it's conditioned habit. In that respect, it's not so personal. We take this also personally, but it's, this conditioned habit is not so personal. It's this momentum that is moving in time and space. And we don't know. When we're caught in it, we don't know. We've lost our connection to this deeper truth. I was working with a yogi on this retreat who was actually asking this question, why don't I really want to be here? She could feel how that was, she wanted to pull back, she wanted to pull back. And then this other part of herself that pulled forward and wanted to be here, and then the pulling back, and I don't know if I really want to be here. And then when she started to really feel what was there, what was happening for her when she actually was here, she said, I just, I just saw and I felt this body of kindness, this body of presence, this body of connection. She said, of course I want to be here. Why would I not want to be here for that? You know, There was something so real and so true, so vital in that. Why would I let go of that? So when she really invited herself in, out of the conditioned habit, out of the habitual pull of the forces of mind, right here in that, that body of kindness. But we forget, we forget, we become ignorant of the purity of our innate condition. We become ignorant in a way of who we are, what we are, this nature that we are and we come here and all the conditions here all the conditions on the retreat at this retreat center are to support this remembering i love this word remembering we we bring the members back together again you know we reconstellate ourselves these fragmented parts of ourselves that can feel like they're all over the place re membering, which is the sati, the mindfulness, mindful, the mind is full again, full of present, full of this instant of here. One teacher said that we stray from the moment is not surprising. The more crucial thing is that we return. The more crucial thing is that we return. This remembering to return. Saint Francis de Salle, the 16th century Roman Catholic saint, said, bring yourself back to the point quite gently. Even if you do nothing during the whole of your hour but bring your heart back a thousand times though it went away every time you brought it back. Your hour would be well employed. There's such compassionate teachings. Each, each time when I, when I hear these beautiful invitations for us, I just feel the compassion. I sense the kindness in these invitations. And this woman, when she was exploring this, she said, when I'm here, I can feel the kindness I can feel the kindness that's here. And her arms kind of went out. And I said, well, what, what, what do you mean you feel the kindness here? Where is that kindness? And she said, well, seeing a bird. Just seeing a bird, I see the kindness in the bird. Or She said, when I'm sitting in the room here, there's so much kindness. Or being here, it's kind. And so sometimes when we're not able to actually feel the kindness here, we may be present enough open enough that we can feel the kindness that really is all around, this, this generosity, this generosity of spirit, that everything really is here. And not only everything here at the retreat center, but I have the deepest trust that everything, every condition that arises is in service of our awakening. Everything is in service of our awakening. Everything gives us an opportunity to discover, to wake up, to realize, to recognize the true nature of things. Rumi puts it beautifully. He said, I don't think anyone read this yet, he said, if God said... Rumi, pay homage to everything that has helped you enter my arms. There would not be one experience of my life, not one thought, not one feeling, not any act I would not bow down to. Pay homage to everything that has helped you enter my arms. That would be everything. Everything. So really, this is another way of talking about trusting in the Dharma. Because the Dharma really is that expression of nature of all things. The law, the way things are, that arising, passing, the knowing of all things. And taking refuge in the Dharma, trusting in the Dharma, letting go. So we can let go and take refuge here in this innate wisdom, this innate intelligence that's here, in this nature, nature, not just the physical nature, but the nature of all things, the nature that we are. And we take refuge in the Sangha, in this uh, noble lineage that has come forward all these hundreds of years, This wisdom, the the lineage carriers of the wisdom that is right here, right here, right now in this instant. In support, in service of our awakening, in service of our letting go, we can take refuge in that. And I really wonder, I really wonder how we can really take that risk to let go, radically let go. To open in the way that we are being invited, unless we feel a sense of refuge, in, a re, in refuge in that which is not just the worldly conditions of the of the senses and our thinking mind and the the world as we as it appears, but refuge in something much more profound, something that is hardly able to be named. So we talk about. Refuge in the Dharma, or refuge in that which is sacred, or refuge in the heart, or our, we have our own ways of speaking about it. Refuge in the Buddha. So we find ways, we find ways we can take that refuge. Maybe it is in the outer, in the nature or in the Sangha or being here on the retreat or, or, or in a person that we trust or the Metta or whatever it is. We take refuge in something and little by little by little we let it go. Even that we have to let go of. We have to let go of all of these practices. We have to let go of all of the teachings. And then we see where we find ourselves. Who am I then when I am not holding on to anything in this world? Who am I then? So I want to end with um, reading this poem from John O'Donohue. I think it kind of sums this up all very nicely. In out-of-the-way places of the heart, where your thoughts never think to wander, this beginning has been quietly forming, waiting until you were ready to emerge. For a long time it has watched your desire, feeling the emptiness grow inside you, noticing how you willed yourself on, still unable to leave what you had outgrown. It watched you play with the seduction of safety and the gray promises that sameness whispered. Heard the waves of turmoil rise and relent. Wondered, would you always live like this? Then the delight when your courage kindled and out you stepped onto the new ground. Your eyes young again with energy and dream, a path of plenitude opening before you. Though your destination is not clear, you can trust the promise of this opening. Unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning that is at one with your life's desire. Awaken your spirit to adventure. Hold nothing back. Learn to find ease in risk. Soon you'll be home in a new rhythm for your soul senses the world that awaits you. Let's just sit together for a moment. hold nothing back learn to find ease and risk soon you will be home in a new rhythm for your soul senses the world that awaits you